And so if you were to just invite your whole self to tea today, you know, and, and welcome, welcome yourself with all the parts of yourself with kindness and curiosity and, and the willingness to just sit and have a conversation. As soon as that happens, it's no longer in the shadow. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Nullspoke Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode 32 of the Advice Not Given podcast. We're really excited today to continue this month of March and this idea of mindfulness. And today we are talking all about mindset. And we're going to do something just a little bit different with this particular episode. Normally, you hear Kelly and I go into a, a you know lengthy conversation between the two of us, and then we lead you up to our actual advice guest. Well, today we have uh, a short little introduction, but then we're going to cut straight to that interview, and I think you'll understand why once you listen. It's a little bit longer than some of our others, but it's also incredibly full of insight and wisdom, and we want to let that play in its entirety, and then we're going to kind of come back on at the end to have our conversation and really essentially deep dive some of the great takeaways we both discovered after Kelly's conversation with Kelsey. So Kelly, you want to go ahead and set up that episode for everybody and then we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. So like Claire mentioned, we've, um, we've got some pretty heavy hitters <laughs> for the month of March. Um, and this is, this episode is going to be, um, I think a substantial one. So I, I hope that you guys can listen to it um, with an open mind and kind of free of distractions. This might be one of those that you need to kind of focus in on. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine actually here in Fayetteville. She's doing tremendous work um, in the uh, health, well-being sort of arena. Um, so to give her a proper introduction, her name is Kelsey Timmis. Uh, she's a board-certified holistic health practitioner. She's an author, a speaker, a coach, and a wellness educator. And she helps uh, folks discover and recover a life in balance is kind of her, her tagline. Um, she is a lifelong yoga practitioner with a professional background in quality management and emergency medicine. Um, she's got 20 years or 20 plus years of clinical experience, um, evidence-based in evidence-based holistic strategies, and a vision for the future um, of collaborative healthcare. So, what that kind of looks like in this area, and you'll hear more about this as she describes it and um, explains what she does. She has this entire sort of practice institute called Guiding Wellness Institute, and she has so many different pillars that um, she offers there and helps work people through to include, you know, yoga, teaching hours and credentials. She does a ton of work with service members and service families um, in practices like eye rest and flotation therapy you name it. Um, she's even got a meditation garden at her center. So <laughs> anytime Kelsey speaks, I try to show up and listen and tune in. And I am, you'll even hear me during the interview kind of pausing and trying to digest some of the goodness that she's saying. Um, so apologies for that if it seems disruptive. But um, yeah, I was just trying to literally soak in every word. So hopefully you guys will feel the same way and be sure to hang around to the end because like Claire mentioned, we're going to we're gonna try and digest a little bit um, and point you to some resources if you maybe have extra questions after after the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our actual advice segment where we bring you actual experts to uh, shine a little light on some of the things that Claire and I stumble through typically in our earlier conversations. Today, I am super excited to be introducing you to a friend who's joining me remotely, even though we probably should have had coffee together um, at the local shop. I'm bringing you Kelsey Timmis. She is just an amazing person. I've had the opportunity to uh, soak in her wisdom on several occasions when it comes to all things 
oh gosh, uh, wholeness, uh, mental health, meditation, yoga. She has an awesome facility here in town called Guiding Wellness that actually has flotation therapy, yoga classes, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and you guys have the opportunity today to hear from her. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, good to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. I gave Kelsey, you guys, like zero prep for this. So we're just going <laughs> to, I'm like, you Which know, is so let's okay. just talk about, <laughs> it's so okay. Because honestly, I really love like an organic conversation and I want to try to be naturally curious when it comes to interviews. So if it sounds like I am unprepared, it is literally because my brain is already firing off actual questions that I have in, in the moment. So Awesome. This will be fun for you, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm used to it. I can handle it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about mindset. Um, and I was describing to Kelsey earlier, you know, our audience is uh, typically in the middle of life kind of season. I myself am 37. I got that wrong the other day. I'm 37. Um, and kind of just dealing with a lot of transitions all the time. And I feel like we're always kind of looking at life, like what is the meaning? What is, what is this new era look for, like for me, whether it's, you know, my kids getting older, whether it's a move, whether it's um, changing employment situations or just getting to be a little more self-reflective. Um, so I'm curious, Kelsey, um, what has your experience been like, especially in working with people as a therapist and in all the other amazing things that you do, what are you hearing from people maybe our age um, in context of just like meaning of life questions? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's diverse, you know, because I work with, um, I don't, I don't work with just a isolated population and both, you know, men and women and, um, you know, career professionals, athletes, um, parents, nonprofit um, organizations. So the 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 spectrum is is wide. But what's what I love is that the human element is the same. And um, I actually come from a, a little bit of a more mystical psychology approach, where we assess and look at the life cycles that that we live in. That it has to do with our human and psychological development, and it's powerful that we're developing all the time. We focus mostly, I think, on how we um, grow as children and young adults, but we we struggle at this season of our life because there isn't as much emphasis or affirmation on the fact that we are growing still. And um, so the common mindset that I uh, am confronted with is, okay, how did I get here? Or I know how I got here. I don't know how to move on. Um, I don't know how I got here. I don't know where I'm going. Or I had this entirely planned out. I'm here. And now what? Like there is this transition that's happening because we live our life literally in seven year cycles and we develop as a human being in these seven year cycles. And each cycle is dedicated to a specific part of our development. And, and then we have all this choice. So sometimes we make harder choices when we're younger and we can grow up fast or we can lean into careers where we get a lot of experience, um, of life, uh, front loaded, right. Or front ended. Um, but we still have to walk through this full development of ourselves and this season of the thir of, of actually 35 is the beginning of a life cycle um, that we refer to as the shadow. It's really where we discover ourselves in a, a deeper way. It's not always fun to really have to you know, go through that feedback. Um, and we're also moving in into this next cycle of um, transform. And, and mm -hmm. there's also kind of testimony related to that of what it, what it's all been for, you know, when we're younger, the tension of the world, and we would relate to the shadow being like the bully or the saboteur or the, um, the things we free ourselves or liberate ourselves from as we're becoming independent. And all of that is really in preparation to do that work within ourselves. So this 35 to 42 is, 
you know, who's, who's the person, the mindset that talks to you when no one else can hear it? You know, when we're young, there's this constant ta- uh, taking in of information or criticism, but there's typically someone helping to police and navigate all of that going on. Uh, when we're 35 uh, to 44 to 45, it's all internal. So this self-regulation, self-criticism, self-empowerment, um, my teacher called it the dark night of the soul and actually wrote a whole book mm-hmm. about that, mm-hmm. of really getting honest about um, who we are, what we want, what we're here to do, um, what we want our life to manifest, because we have this very a strong realization of finite resources also that there are certain seasons we just aren't going to have again. And we start to become more selective about what we align with, what we choose. And I think the most common question or comment I have with clients is what you can do versus what you will do. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and, and we're also looking at, I've already done so much of that and there's, and at, from 35 to 44, we already have a mastery in something. We already have 30,000 hours in something. And for a lot of us, we have 80,000 hours in something, you know, if you found your, your connection even early on. And so just because you can should not be your reason why, and that it's okay to actually have something new or um, set out in a new endeavor. Um, And this is also the time that you see a lot of middle age back in college, because we will all Mm -hmm. have about seven different careers or um, parts to our career, you know, in our lifetime, if we're leaning into those challenging impulses, which I now am looking at as instincts, our growth instincts. I've never heard that broken down in seven year increments. I actually really love that because it's so tangible. Mm-hmm. You can actually say, like, I was doing math as soon as you said that, like, oh crap, where am I? Like, what is my, <laughs> which one what am is I my, in? what's my window? Yeah. And I actually really like the fact that you just said shadow is um, kind of stopped me just right in my tracks because I do feel like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I'm reading and kind of into right now deals with um, even like the Freudian kind of shadow sides, Mm -hmm. right? Of your personality and Mm -hmm. your ego. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people kind of shy away from that or try to hide that or cover that up. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think the detriment is to maybe just either ignoring um, all of you? Because it's not holistic, right? If you ignore your shadow, um, you're going to be missing out on a lot of the the things that could actually help accelerate your growth or, you know, encourage you, like you just said, to try new things and, and venture out and do new things. So I think maybe a lot of us are just kind of asleep to it um, mm-hmm. or maybe don't have the luxury of digging mm-hmm. in. I'm not sure. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts on um, maybe pros and cons of even recognizing what your, your shadow looks like? Yeah. So there, it's interesting. You just, if we use that word, it, it, it has already, it has a file for all of us that it, it, it's actually closely connected to shame, um, Mm -hmm. which is not an emotion. Shame is a projection. It's a thought form. And so then this, anything we might have associated with that of, you know, good and bad, right and wrong, um, and any the past experiences um, that have either been fear based or trust and safety um, related, that it all is in that file. So when you say shadow, it's like, well, it's in the shadow because I don't want to look at it. That's why it is the shadow. Mm-hmm. So it's not this thing looming over you or this part of you that is, um, you know, should be rejected or. Um, or refused. It's literally the shadow because it's not being held forward. So when we bring it forward, it's no long, it's not a shadow. It's just, you know, it's in the shadow side because we're not seeing it. And so what Mm -hmm. I, I work with individuals on, what is it that we are not seeing? And what is it that we are resisting looking at or turning to look at? Um, it, as a meditation teacher and a mindfulness teacher, I use the language of the welcoming. You know, what are we 
refusing versus welcoming. And so if you were to just invite your whole self to tea today, you know, and, and welcome, welcome yourself with all the parts of yourself with kindness and curiosity and, and the willingness to just sit and have a conversation. As soon as that happens, it's no longer in the shadow um, and it's on the table. And so when we look at it, the parts that we uh, maybe don't bring forward or in this time are actually knocking on the door saying, you really can't progress in your maturity or your evolution or your success or your growth if you don't welcome me. Like you have to welcome more parts of yourself than the doer. You have to welcome the beer. And you're more than a human doing. You're a human being. And that part of ourself needs to know that it, that it can trust and that it can be safe. Um, you know, we're not always a safe place for ourselves. So gosh, we're certainly not. (laughs) And we, and we don't trust ourselves because we don't trust ourselves because we have like the whispers. Um, maybe we, we denied, a a whisper that we had of, you know, you need to be careful that, you know, that person might not be able to be trusted. And then our other part says, Oh, but I, you know, I need to just be nice. I need to, you know, we disregard those impulses. And then when we get hurt or, uh, or as um, our teachers have said, when someone shows you who they really are, believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so that's feedback and then bring that forward. But, but when it's um, not brought forward, it's actually held in the, in the shadow as distrust towards the self. So we do that a thousand times and then all of a sudden an opportunity comes in of, you know, here it is, the thing that I've always imagined for myself. Do I step in? Well, the self-esteem that it takes to step forward in an emotional or a creative risk of, of starting a business or changing a career or, or deciding to go back to having a child after maybe it hasn't worked or like all of these scenarios that um, that we have in our lives, it takes amount of, of self-esteem to be able to do that. Um, mm. So that trust and safety with the self is what this particular season is about and, and flushing it out. More people end up in therapy in their midlife than any other time. And oftentimes they'll say, you know, I, you know, I, I wish I would have done this sooner, or if I would have done this sooner, I wouldn't be in this place. And and I'm not really a believer of that because our younger life is really where we're carving out experiences and we are cultivating lessons. It's just school. Um, The yoga philosophy calls it karma, which means lesson. It doesn't mean punishment. You know, karma doesn't mean punishment. It means lesson. So you're learning all these lessons and then in our mid, uh, our midlife or young midlife, we're moving into Dharma, uh, which is the great work of your life. And we can't step forward into what, or identify or connect with what is the great work of our life if we haven't lived. Um, and the thing that stands between us stepping forward is the way we have judged or filed the experiences of our youth and, and the lessons, I believe. Um, so the shadows where it all flushes out and they're the shadow season and revisiting things, refiling them. And that changes your mindset automatically because mm-hmm. it's no longer a um, an error or a or a shame or a suffering, you know, it, it, it can have value. And what does it serve? Now, your question, you were saying, you know, should we listen to those, you know, those instincts, what you're talking about is like these instincts. So instincts, as the human, I believe that the greatest instinct we have is to love, uh, that we are love itself. And that the healing impulse is our strongest instinct and that we are getting that in that download or that invitation all the time. And when we deny it, 
um, for whatever reason, we're creating an experience for ourselves within that where there can be a lesson. But ultimately, our greatest instinct is going to be to return to love. And so we will war with the world. We will war with our own interior. We will war with life. We will war with our wants and needs. And then we come back to a place of harmony. And how do we harmonize what we have feared, what we have known, and what we desire, and what we intuit too? for the future and, and then step forward from this place of wholeness, not this place of, of fear or, or brokenness or woundedness. That's, it's, it's really a powerful concept too. And one that I'm not like as experienced in, I'm getting, I'm getting there, like the older now I get and the farther down into the seven year phase, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I found a lot of value in thinking about like, past opinions that I used to hold about certain mm-hmm. things, right? Or right. like ex- experiences or maybe things that I've said to others or whatnot, um, ways, beliefs and ideologies that I used to hold on to that I'd, I'd no longer really resonate with. Yeah, And, I, you know, I used to get really hung up on like, I can't believe I was such a jerk, <laughs> right? Or whatever. Like, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe whatever. But like looking back on those experiences, just like you're saying, like it was, it was a lesson. It was an opportunity. Um, I'm trying not to hold judgment around um, those thoughts or feelings or opinions that I once held. I try to hold everything from here on out rather loosely because, mm-hmm. you know, convince me, like, show, you know, show me all of the details of a thing before I make my mind up. And that totally comes with maturity. Um, but also just being able to like honor, you know, past Kelly or past Kelly's experiences and like, okay, that happened. You know, this was what I learned from it. And this is how I plan to, to move forward. It's, it's, a, it's, it's super helpful to think of it in terms of that. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, and the awareness that that feedback is not meant to be a a weapon to criticize yourself with from your Mm, past self. mm -hmm. It's if it's rising, that new awareness means that that thought form or that mindset that you had prior is now no longer serving you for where you are and where you're going. That's Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't make it the past wrong. And I think that's part of we want to hold it all together and we want every season of our life to be equally as approved of and, and magnificent. Mm. And yet the only way we can move into something different is to just reconcile that it's not this less than it's, it's just no longer than right. So, so the mind of is, was I less than, was I shallow? Was I, critical was I this or that it's like that's all just going to then hold keep you attached to that season but to Mm. take the feedback have the new awareness and if that's moving out what's moving in and be more curious than we are critical so like what's really going on and what is this or what now what is what is this for um I think that's, that's powerful. And that, that is how we can trust and be, you know, have self-trust and, and be safe with ourselves. Um, when we don't use that awareness as, as a weapon, as I say, it's a weapon. That's Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really strong. I Mm -hmm. like that. And again, it's all like internal, it's all happening inside. No one's telling me like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I can't believe you used to think that like, no, no one else really cares. (laughs) It's, It's just me. Um, can we talk a little bit more about, um, you, you talked about instincts. Um, what does it look like to go with the flow, so to speak, like to find that instinct that resonates with you and to go along with it as opposed to what I would imagine many of us do, including myself, um, resisting it, <laughs> thinking that there was some preconceived notion of what I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to do um, mm-hmm. and kind of maybe fighting against an internal direction that I should have probably been more aware of. Right. I, I This is partly why I love dogs so much because they really are the teacher of instincts. And I've always said, you know, uh, dog is God backwards. And there's Mm -hmm. something so divinely loving about the canine and, and the pack and the way they, 
um, the way they exist both in our human family and together. And they're, if, so just, I'm just putting that out there as kind of a, a, a connection well, of research. Okay. Well, let me, to, I'm going to pause you in your thought because do you know Richard Rohr? Do you read any of his work? Um, no. Okay. So he has a whole, like the introduction to one of his latest books. Uh, and he talks a lot about, you know, the universal Christ and this non-dualistic sort of mm-hmm. um, thinking and, and way of being, but he dedicates the first chapter of his book to his dog Oh, um, cool! because yeah. of how much his dog teaches him and has yeah. taught him into like the oneness um, that exists. And anyway, so I just wanted to affirm to- your, yes, yes, I agree completely. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, and so if you think about like the dogs are unapologetically loving and playful, but they are also unapologetically fierce. And Mm -hmm. the, the second that they, I mean, they, they have their people, they know who their people are and they aren't apologetic to you. If you come to my house, my six dogs are going to go crazy and they're going to start barking and until they know that you're safe. And then they don't, sit there and go, Oh, I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. I didn't know you were a friend. Oh, I'm so sorry that we were barking at you. It's like, no, it's done. Mm -hmm. And I move from my instinct to warn to my instinct to greet. And then my instinct to sniff and check you out, right? Like why, why do we have to be so offended that someone is sniffing around and wondering if we're trustworthy? Like would that, I actually appreciate that. And then, and then the welcome, this instinct to just welcome in and then be loving and kind and playful. And all of that um, happens without having to pass through judgment. So the, the dog is not stopping to decide if their behavior or their, their instinctive um, impulse is appropriate or politically correct or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, considered culture, the cultural norm. Um, it just is 100% like in that Mm -hmm. allowing it to rise. So there it's, it's always there. I, we are conditioned to mute or snooze out certain impulses and instincts for a reason for, you know, based on culture, the way we were raised, different things like that. Um, but we can also bring it back online. And what I've noticed, this is what I love about the mindfulness practices and um, the whole mind-body connection is instead of focusing on improving your, your, in, your instinctive response, you focus on mindfulness and being in the moment, connecting with your breath, uh, the sensory connection and meditation. We're constantly inviting students to become sensory full sensory aware, you know, just notice the oxygen passing through the nostrils Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how that already just informs to a spaciousness behind the eyes and between the ears and taste and sound. And and that's our, at a core, core level, our instincts are full sensory enhanced. And if we can make, uh, cultivate that relationship there, our sixth sense which is very much what the dog has too, that ability to feel even beyond um, the primary or the or the survival mm-hmm. senses and instincts, and and we have that all the time. It's where our, you know, we have a thought about a friend, and then you know we look down, and they happen to have sent you a text message like at the exact same time you were yes. thinking about them, yeah. and mm-hmm. and we talk about being in the flow. And it's not woo-woo. I, mean, I work a lot with, um, you know, very type A, you know, operators mm-hmm. that um, it's all about the what you can prove and, and the evidence-based modalities. But they will always come back and say, you know, this stuff is no joke. And I, you know, they they kind of discounted it first and you know, think they call it my hippie ways or something like that. But then it's like, this stuff is but it's helping. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it, mm-hmm. and it has, it, it affects so many parts of our lives. Um, and so that connecting to the moment, being in the moment is the most instinctive thing that we can do because it's all there is. It really mm. is all there is. And then in that moment, if we make, if we learn to make 
that there's a difference between being impulsive and being uh, inform like intuitively informed in the moment. So you're either clear or you're you're clear and then you're bringing in all of this rationale to justify why you should not lean into what you're really clear about. And that's fear. If we're not leaning into what we're really clear about, we're afraid. Hmm. And and afraid um, is an emotion. Fear is not. Fear is a uh, thought form that we usually feel when we don't trust or we're not safe. But to be afraid is when courage rises. So anyone who's done anything great in the world will say like they've spent more of their time being terrified, like afraid of it not working or of um, failing or of not having what they need. All like a, a very instinctive emotion. But once we bring in all this rationale to tell ourselves why we should not, as I say, you start shooting all over yourself of why you should <laughs> not do this or that. And now that's fear. Uh, mm. Because fear is false experiences appearing real. You're now negotiating with your intuitive impulses. That's harmful. Right? Or there's a consequence to that, uh, whether it is the just talking yourself out of maybe the great work of your life, you know, that's harmful because you don't get to experience this thing that is coming through you and neither does the world because there, we really cannot duplicate another person or another person's grace or another person's work. We're, we're, we're incredibly unique with what we bring forward. Um, and I think that is just something that we're, we aren't connecting with enough. We spend so much time trying to be like what everything else that is working in the world that we conform ourselves away from our own unique success. I think of it in terms of observation because it's mm -hmm. kind of my thing. Um, so like standing back and watching, kind of almost like detaching. But I have I struggle personally with still remaining present in the moment because I can like right. kind of check out and mm -hmm. totally non-judgmentally observe what's happening around me and probably come up with a pretty objective, you know, synopsis of what's going on. Right. And maybe right. like, what are some scenarios and how they play out? But then I have a hard time getting back into being present and intuitive isn't something that I necessarily resonate with. Uh -huh. Um, but I could see how with practice I could start to connect the two things. Um, yeah, that's well, really cool. And that, so that construct that you were just describing is really about the tr trust and safety. So we, mm -hmm. when we, it, there, it is a, we use the word, you know, disassociate it, Like if we were to say that from a non, uh, psychological perspective, mm -hmm, right. what we're really saying is feeling back into being awareness itself. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's having the view behind the eyes or it's climbing up into the tree and having this broader perspective. Right. And yet you're still very present with what's going on. And uh, it's very healthy um, to do that. It's actually the more more resilient people will do that um, mm -hmm. because there's an assessment going on and, a, you know, getting the pulse or the temperature, what's going on. And um, but the, the trust and safety piece is what needs to be present in order to reengage in the moment. Right. And totally. So if on yeah. any level what you're assessing in that environment is that it is not safe or trustworthy mm. for you to be your authentic self. You won't be able to, that's instincts. That's right. Instincts okay. At mm. play right there. And you can still be present, but not fully engaging the moment. Hmm. We have to be able to cultivate uh, environments that are, uh, trustworthy and safe because we do need to reconnect. So we, we can't exist for long periods of time with that little bit of separation. Um, and so I use the IRS protocol for that, where we cultivate this inner resource of safety 
And at the end of the day, if you can trust and feel safe with yourself, you can re-engage in that moment because you, you are not alone in that you have, you have yourself as the biggest advocate. Can you trust yourself not to be, you know, um, uh, misled, you know, by the lie in the room or the, you know, or by the motivation that you can see clearly. And if you can trust yourself, you can re-engage the moment. But then there's also this choice that's being made because once you have awareness, that awareness then goes to work. So that awareness will not allow you to then continue to operate in levels that are below your vibrational frequency for thriving, right? Oh, goodness. We're going to, this is going to be like a four part series. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I want to talk about that now. now. (laughs) I know, which is why we have all these relational changes. And then we want to judge ourselves or, or one another and say, you know, why were you my best friend for 10 years during this season? And now I'm suffering because you're not my best friend now. It's like, it, why does it have to be, why can't you be my best friend then? And why can't I have a new best friend right. now? Um, you know, there, there's a lot of limited thinking that mm-hmm. create that the construct of suffering, any suffering we have is evidence that we are limited. There is mm-hmm. a limitation mm-hmm. in the mind somewhere. So I've always thought of that as like a, an attachment um, mm-hmm. to something, the, the attachment to the suffering versus the actual like trial itself. Um, well, and the attachment is the suffering. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kelsey, yeah. okay, coffee like tomorrow morning <laughs> and like all the wine in the land. And yeah. I am so excited to know you and to have you in my life. Oh. Um, Okay. Um, wow. This has been incredible. Um, I want to start pointing people towards some of your resources online. And if you happen to be in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, you can meet Kelsey in real life. Um, so she has an awesome center called Guiding Wellness. Um, can you tell the folks a little bit about your center and maybe some of the work that you guys have available online? Absolutely. Um, so we are located at 143 Skateway Drive off of Rayford Road. Um, next to the 71st high school campus and just down the road from the brand new VA. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, we're a two and a half acre campus, a 5,000 square foot facility. So the, the meditation gardens and just the environment um, offers a lot of just rest Mm -hmm. and respite, um, just being in the space. And it was important for us to be um, accessible uh, to our local community. So being right in, it's not in the middle of uh, maybe the city or from Skybo mm-hmm. or that area, but, um, but it offers both. So we have, we're the largest holistic health and wellness center in Fayetteville. I've been here since 2002 mm-hmm. and we offer comprehensive case management and a an array of services, um, flotation therapy, massage therapy, acupuncture, um, nutrition, consulting, counseling. Um, we work specifically with stress and trauma protocols, um, and memberships, classes, group classes. I mean, there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. And then we're also a school. So we actually uh, certify, uh, professionals in yoga, therapeutic yoga, mindfulness, and meditation. So a lot of clinicians will um, connect with us to cross-train, to work with their populations. And a lot of people that just are really wanting to like live their best life and they'll go. So a good, probably 30% of our students take the program as a gift to themselves for their own mm-hmm. um, personal development. And, um, and then we have, we're, we have students and clients all over the world. So we have um, Live Well magazine, um, mm-hmm. which I author and um, produce myself. And then we also have Be Well podcast that was intended to be a toolkit of resources for our clients and um, members that maybe leave the local area so they can still have connection to that. There's just, there's so much growing um, on the horizon with this. But it, it, anything related to lifestyle medicine, which is really what we do, there's um, there's 
over the years, it's been classified uh, like maybe a massage was classified as self-care or maybe Mm -hmm. um, acupuncture was classified as, as CAM, you know, a complementary alternative therapy. Um, But we're really in a season of functional medicine and lifestyle medicine. So we are the lifestyle medicine component to a functional medicine practice. So um, all evidence-based, my background's in, in medicine, emergency medicine and quality management. So I'm, um, it's really important to me that we're um, working with modalities that have the research backing behind them. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing work. And also I want to just give you a shout out because my husband was going to IREST uh, right before he deployed and he loved it. Oh, <laughs> I think awesome. he fell asleep, but awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I wanted to give you some kudos there. He really yeah. enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah it, it was given a tier one, it's tier one status for pain and sleep. I mean, it just can't get wow. any adult nap time basically can it really you know, be an <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's powerful. So Aww. yeah. Yeah, so awesome. Well, Kelsey, thank-, thank you so, so much for uh, mostly for all of the work that you do um, in our community and beyond. I think you are doing just tremendous work. I've Everyone I've ever spoken to that works with you or has, you know, done the yoga training or anything has nothing but admiration and respect for everything that you guys have going on there, including myself. Um, I need to get more involved. <laughs> you probably could help me out with a lot of stuff. <laughs> Come on down. You might, you might be seeing more of me. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, folks, just a quick break to talk about our 20 for 20 Patreon campaign for Advice Not Given podcast. So in case you're wondering, gosh, this is such a great podcast. I really, really love it. I wish there was some way that I could let Claire and Kelly know that what they're doing matters. And uh, we'd like to continue to hear more of it. Uh, There is such a way. You can head over to patreon.com slash gurus and pledge to support us for as little as $1 per episode. That's literally less than a latte where you can actually put a couple of bucks in a virtual tip jar to let us know that you're enjoying what we're doing and that you would like to see us continue. So with those those funds, uh, we will actually be supporting some of the podcast hosting uh, systems that we have in place, some of the overhead that we need. We'll work on getting uh, upgraded equipment and making sure that the podcast is something that you actually want to continue listening to uh, in an auditory capacity. <laughs> we want to make sure it sounds okay, basically. Um, so yeah, so head over to patreon.com. If you're interested in supporting us in that way, we will love and adore you and cherish you forever and also unlock some perks uh, like bonus episodes that we keep mm, confidential for our patrons only for the most part. And those are some pretty juicy conversations that we definitely think you'll enjoy. So if you're interested in joining our community of patrons, let us know. Head over to patreon.com slash gurus and sign up today. All right. So... Wonderful interview, Kelly. Wonderful. I loved every question you asked and I loved Kelsey's, um, just her ease and honestly, like her voice, like her voice was Mm -hmm. actually very soothing and meditative to listen to. And I thought, man, I need to approach speaking that same way because I tend to talk like my mind thinks and that's racing (laughs) quick, not thinking things through. So that was one of my major takeaways was just the ease with which she was able to comfortably be interviewed. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were several notes, like actual notes I took from hearing you interview her and some of the things she talked about. But I think one of the first things I want us to kind of go back and forth on or take, you know, take account of is this idea that we live through these seven year cycles. Right. And and go ahead. And then I I have a couple of things I want to add on that. Oh, man. Well, I just think, I mean, Anyway, I I never knew there was any kind of explanation for that, Um, knowing that you're in a different phase. I mean, we've always said like seasons and things. I get it. You know, your kids are in different ages and age ranges. So that's a season of your life. But there, I didn't, I never knew that there were actual like psychological sort of um, thresholds or windows uh, in our own personal developments. I just think that is so, so, so cool. And like how easily we can like, I just fell right into the the age frame or age range that she was talking about in that shadow um, period. And it just, it almost just frees up some compassion for myself to know yeah. like, oh, 
this is a normal developmental sort of milestone that I should be tracking. Well, um, and it also gives you that idea of like, oh, well, this will pass. Like this isn't how yeah. it'll forever. <laughs> there, there will come an end to this. Well, I'll have to be honest. And I, I know, I feel like maybe I don't talk about my faith as much on our podcast as it is you know, so vital to me in life. But sometimes when I hear certain things that like maybe about this every seven years you're repeating or whatever, it it can put little prickers up for me. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of hokey or that sounds kind of weird, much like some people may think about the Enneagram. But the longer Mm -hmm. I thought about it, the more I remembered that even in the Bible and other, I know in other religions, but I'm talking about my own faith in the Christian tradition, the number seven is actually a very important number. It's the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. So the fact that these stages she talks about go on for seven years, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because... That's a number we see frequently in the Bible, the seven days of creation. And, um, you know, I won't get into to all of that, but I thought that was interesting. And then also my English teacher filter, I remembered back to William Shakespeare's, um, we know it as all the world's a stage poem, but mm-hmm. or soliloquy from As You Like It, but it's called The Seven Ages of Man. And he goes through in that, you know, that little speech within the play about the seven cycles kind of that you live through. And so I'm like, okay, so this must have something that's like legitimate. Wow. If I'm, I'm connecting it in all these ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just thought it was so great. And it, it's probably like anything else, right? Like that all models are useful, but they're not all perfect, right? Like not everyone is probably going to align specifically with each of those right. um, milestones, but it still gives and provides a pretty neat framework. Um, that we have all of human history to compare to. (laughs) So um, yeah, I'm super interested to kind of dig more into that and read more into that. uh, As were most of the topics that we, Kelsey and I talked about, it was like, that's fascinating. And there was even one at the end. I'm like, I want to hear more about that. Why do we have more time? Um, Yeah. So what else jumped out at you? What do you think was another big takeaway? Um, Well, in regard to the seven-year repeats. I know you guys talked about being in the one from like age 35 to 42. And it's the craziest thing because I did just turn 43, kind of moving me into that next bracket. (laughs) But but here's the weird thing. Like even before I heard that episode, I have told Ryan over the last several months that I have just felt like this weird shift. Like I feel like I've gotten over some things that have like really been stuck in my crawl for a long time. And I'm like, Oh, that is so weird. Maybe it is a coincidence, but I don't know. That's that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I know. That's super cool. Um, even just down to like, we haven't, she and I haven't spoken in a very long time, but she was like, well, you know, this is the time when all of these things start to happen, right? Like you're pushing, like, do you want to study something new? Do you want to make a career jump? Do you want to do all, you know, like, wow, I have really been feeling that urge. And I yeah. think that goes back to what she was talking about with your intuition and your, your impulses and like mm-hmm. learning how to like lean into that and go with that instead of fighting it or going against it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just thought that was like, really like, it's just really helpful to hear, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how she talks about the almost like natural rhythm that you're going to have many careers or many passions that you Mm. chase down and follow. And I think one of the things that you and I continually have talked about is that feels to many of us in a, a lifestyle that keeps us moving and keeps transitions constant. We feel like that's a negative But hearing you guys talk about it and hearing her expound upon that, it reminded me that it's not a bad thing and that like we're actually picking up all of these skill sets. And, you know, she gave the example of people around my age or your age deciding to go back to school. Right. And um, I don't know, it was a good mindset, if you will, mindset shift for me on that idea that we can kind of keep recreating ourselves and reinventing ourselves. And it's not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. That was another big, big thing for me. And I hear it and I know it in my head, but the thing that I keep trying to reinforce myself is this attitude or this mindset of being non-judgmental towards myself. Right. Um, I feel like we are all so critical and I loved how she was talking about early in life. We have these voices that are usually external telling us, you right. know, 
things that we may or may not need to hear, but there's an authority figure sort of policing that for us. And I do it with my kids, right? Like if one of my kids has a bad day at school, I'm their cheerleader. I'm there to say like, no, that's not who you are just because that kid called you that or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. Like there's someone kind of in charge of uh, mediating those thoughts and those messages that you're hearing. But the older we get, we lose that. And then we become sort of our own worst enemy if it's left unchecked. Um, So again, I know this, right? But doing it and feeling it and truly believing it is a totally different thing um, that I'm just, I'm happy to keep hearing like affirmation of that. Like, let it go. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, it is. The other, another thing that I loved was this idea of kind of, as we begin to try to figure out what we're good at or where our passions are, uh, she talks about how most people, by the time you hit this phase kind of that you and I are in age wise, and I think a lot of our age demographic of our listeners, you have more than likely already put in between 30,000 and 80,000 hours. To I knew you'd love something. that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard her say that. And I was like, oh, Claire's going to lie. I do. And first of all, it takes me back to the Malcolm Gladwell outliers, mm-hmm. 10,000 hour rule. But then it got me really thinking about some conversations you and I have had offline and some conversations I've had with others too, about how, especially in this military culture, we do a lot of volunteering and we don't value our time and we don't know how to put a price tag on what we're doing. And thinking through that, it it brought me to this, this thought of like, what is it that I have that expertise in? What is it that people are coming to me about or seeking out that expertise? Not necessarily like, Oh, I have to monetize it. Right. But what could I monetize or what could like kind of what's my natural platform based on all the years of experience? So I'm going to tell yeah. you mine, but I want to hear what you think yours uh, is. No, I don't know. Claire. Well, okay. Let me tell you, I actually kind of, I, I swallowed a thought while we were talking, like when she and I were talking, cause she said it so confidently, right? Uh-huh. She's like, by this point, you've got this many hours of mastery in something. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something I like personally struggle with <laughs> as a five or as a Kelly or whatever. Um, I don't feel like I've mastered anything. Um, so I don't know that to me was kind of like a, Oh crap. What have I mastered? It was almost like a, a an insecurity that rose up while she was talking. So no, I have absolutely no answer to your I'm, question. Okay, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to take that as an answer. I'm going to push you here. You do, and I can tell you what it is because I can see it. But I want you to think: what are the things that people email you about and ask for your opinion on, or ask you to sit on mm. boards for, or want your expertise at their event for? What is it? I'm pushing you here. I mean, I, well, uh, are we talking like macro or micro? Are we like, okay. So I, I think that I can make assessments and observations in a way that some people maybe are too close to Mm -hmm. and can't. Um, I also, I, you know what? Okay. I'll say that I have a strength in like messaging and, um, overall like strategy for communicating something. Um, and that can fall into any kind of arena, be it like visually or, you know, just even just like communicating a brand message or something like that. So maybe that I'll, I'll say that I wouldn't call it mastery though, because I feel like there's still a lot that I don't know. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to interject. I know. Okay. Look, but look at your life. You majored in communications. Like yeah. all these little pieces are like, yeah, leading you to this. And yes, I agree with what you said, but I also think from an outsider looking in, people are seeking you out for your networking, which is Mm, a a hand in hand with communication. They're seeking Mm -hmm. you out for your digital skills, whether that's, you know, putting together PowerPoints or helping create web content or the, I mean, you literally can do anything and everything on a computer as it pertains to getting the word out about something. Mm. And so I think that's interesting because that is mastery. I mean, you it, personally, you may not feel like it's to a level of perfection that you want, but it's enough that people outside of you see it and associate those things with you. Well, Claire, I appreciate that. Oh, Yoda. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, and I, again, I, I know it sometimes maybe sounds like we're being egotist- egotistical to say these things about ourselves, but I don't think it is. I think it's mm-hmm. you recognizing who you are, how you were created, what your skill sets and strengths are. And I would say, if I look to like, what are those things that people are constantly messaging me about or asking me about or saying, Mm -hmm. oh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this or come speak on that. And 
my things I think are motherhood. I think it's mm-hmm. like homeschooling. I've, but there again, I have put in those hours. I have those 80,000 hours homeschooling. I have 80,000 hours or more parenting, I would guess. Um, so I think that's a cool concept. And I would challenge those of you listening, think through your life. Where are all the arrows pointing in your life at what you're good at? And what are the things that you know, maybe you don't have people knocking down your door to come speak in an event, but you are known for something. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that's the thing that you have those hours in. Oh, I love that. Yes. And y'all send them to us. We had, we shared ours. So you have to share yours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Well, I have one more, but do you have any you want to chime in on before I shared my last yeah. one? Well, okay. I kind of have two. So one, I loved that she I loved the concept of being okay with not being in the same situation of your life all the time. And she actually brought up like not being friends with someone or not continuing to be like best friends with someone, which in the, you know, hearing that you kind of cringe because you're like, ouch. Right. But honestly, I think that actually frees up a lot for us specifically as military spouses moving around. We're continually having to say goodbye to people and we don't have the same relationship we had with that person or a person. Um, just, I mean, because right. How can you, if you don't live in the same place? So I think that that, um, again, just frees up a little bit of freedom from maybe the guilt that people may or may not be feeling from, um, evolving relationships with others, um, and just giving yourself grace in that and those feelings and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'm realizing, <laughs> and this comes from the conversation that I've had with Kelsey now, and then also the conversation that you guys will eventually hear that I had with, <laughs> with Chris Yorts. Um, I am noticing that I am personally trying to force um, something that I need to be consenting to instead of like pushing. So when it comes to mindset or finding your flow or, um, you know, being a better person, being more self-aware, you know, all of these ideals that I feel like I know what they are, I'm trying to get there. Um, and I'm realizing after continued conversations with folks in this arena, in this realm and with expertise in this area, that it's not something to be forced, um, that it is something that you need to kind of like relax into and relinquish a little bit in order to, um, to find the peace. I think that you're, that we're maybe looking for. So I don't know, that's kind of a really like existential comment on our conversation, but I definitely walked away feeling like, okay, I've got all the pieces, I think. Now I just need to like let them fall together instead of forcing them together. So yeah. I just, I, I appreciate you for that, Kelsey, if you're listening. And um, yeah, I hope you guys get something similar out of the conversation. Yeah. Well, to piggyback on what you said, I think it's almost like your talk with her was that life coach and that voice of authority yeah. that says, not this way, this way. So right. I love that. But what you just said is such a soft toss to me to just kind of mm. bat, bat this one out as my final thought. And it's the idea we hear often, you are not a human doing, you are a human being. And I think mm. you you said, that's what you just said. It's the constant like forcing and pushing and striving instead of just relaxing and letting, mm-hmm. like giving yourself grace and giving yourself like a break and saying it won't happen overnight or it may not happen in a year, but like I'm on this lifelong journey and I don't have to work so hard really for anything. Like it's okay to just, just to be. Yeah. And I think that is so hard. And I don't know if it's a certain type of person, probably the type of person that listens to this podcast. <laughs> I think you and I share a lot of those same qualities of like wanting to be driven and smart. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know where we pick up that message that it, it's a striving and a doing and where that just takes over for so many of us. One thing that stuck out, and we didn't record this section of the conversation, but when Chris Hewitts and I were talking, I was like, okay, I want to help people get, like, achieve um, their virtue or, like, see that that's a goal. And he, he like, stopped me. He was like, I wouldn't attribute any of that language to what we're talking about. I know. Look, girl. Well, darn. (laughs) Like, I just screwed this interview. But he was actually super patient with me. He was like, no, it's not about that. Like, yeah, you can have these, like, aspirations, I guess, like maybe, but you're kind of missing the point if you turn it into a chore or, um, work. And yes, we talk about it as being work. Um, but it's more about like recognizing what you're doing and and maybe stopping yourself in an action versus acting in a certain way, because that literally just feeds your ego, 
um, probably in favor of whatever the mechanism is that you're trying to let go of. So anyway, I just, I I'm learning. It's cool. And that's why I love, I'm now I'm just like really loving these interviews because we get to bring people in, have an excuse to, to take an hour of their, their life coaching sessions. Free counseling for me. <laughs> Free counseling for sure. I'm sorry. Kelsey. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was great. I encourage everyone to look up all of her resources. Um, connect with her. She's amazing. And uh, I wish her all the best and continued success in everything that she does. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Millspo Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.